You're listening to the Grace Church Podcast, a weekly podcast dedicated to bringing you biblical guidance to life's most important issues. We want to thank you for joining us for this week's message. We pray you find strength and encouragement as we learn from God's truth together. For more information, go to visitgracechurch.com. It is time to redefine the battle lines. It is time to allow God to transform our minds and live like warriors by his design. The fight for our sons and daughters is not against flesh and blood like yours and mine, but against the enemy who's lied to the children of God since the beginning of mankind. It stops today. The enemy is out of time. He cannot and will not have our legacy. Warriors rise up full of integrity, standing firm on God's word, believing every promise you've heard. Blessings for generations to come stirred. We are no longer a captive audience. We are warriors at war, following the one true God from the safety of our shores and watching as he runs up the score for our children. The same way he parted the sea for the Israelite pilgrims. The victory has been won by the light of the sun. So the next time you find yourself face down on the battlefield broken, remember the promises your God has spoken. Lift up his name in praise. Suit up warriors and the sword you will raise. Striking down every stronghold in your way. Slay, warrior, slay. Stand up with all your might. Stand up for what is right. Stand up and be his light. Stand up for your children and fight. 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 Amen. 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 So the year... The year was 1940, and this man, Winston Churchill, he walked into this sort of dusty, wood-paneled room called the House of Commons, and war was upon him. War wasn't only upon him, it was upon him and his country, and he said this. He said, we shall go on until the end. We shall fight in France. We shall fight on the seas and oceans. We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall defend our island, whatever the cost may be. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall fight in the hills. And we shall never, never surrender. I get your blood flowing? Man, when I, I remember when I, I read this, it, it, I, I took courage in it. You know, we're in, we're in this series called Battle Lines, and it is about fighting for the next generation, for fighting for those people that we're investing in, investing in and, and fighting for our children. And the fight's strong, and it doesn't matter what location you're at. It's strong, and it's hard. Last week, our North Overland Park campus pastor, Chris Fetters, talked about how raising worshipers requires intimacy and how raising worshipers requires intentionality. 
in how raising worshipers cause us to live more for more than just this world. This week we're going to talk about raising warriors. Raising warriors. And, and don't be mistaken, this isn't just some parenting series. This is, is it absolutely applicable to parenting? Absolutely. But it's for anybody that's in your life that you're discipling or that you're trying to say, hey, come follow me as I'm following Jesus. For us, what does that mean? It, it really means that I need to be saying, follow me as I follow Jesus. Some, for some of us, yes, it's teaching our kids, but others, it's hanging out with people at our workplaces and with our neighbors, with our friends, our coworkers, wherever we're at. And so we're going we're gonna to hop in, we're going to pray first, and we're going to hop into Matthew 28. So let's, let's pray. God, I just pray that you would speak. I pray that we would just uh, magnify and glorify and lift up your son's name more than anything. Be with us right now. Pray these things in your son's name, Jesus. Amen. Grab your Bibles, turn to Matthew 28. While, while you're going there, I do want to welcome you. Thanks so much for joining us at Grace, uh, where, wherever you're at. Uh, I do have two hopes for us uh, today. One hope is that you would be an outward-focused follower of Jesus. And the other hope is that you would look at the people around you and realize that you can influence them. Like you really can influence them to follow Jesus, that you can make a difference in their lives and that he wants to use you, not in an unhealthy way, but a healthy way to make a difference. So let's, uh, let's hop in. Matthew 28, verse 19. It says, go, therefore, and make disciples, make followers of all nations. Pretty cool. We've got a team, over 20 people in Brazil right now doing this very thing. So he says, go therefore and make disciples, make followers of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always even until the end of the age. Amen. Do you realize that this is the last, one of the last things that Jesus said when he was on earth? One of the last things he, he says, he says, go make disciples, go pe- teach people to follow me. This is known as the great co-mission. It's not the great mission, as singular. Like, I'm actually with somebody. It's a co-mission because I've got a co-laborer with Jesus. But not only Jesus, but we should be doing this thing with one another. We should be making disciples, which brings us to our first point. Raising warriors requires you to be on mission, to be on mission. You think back to Churchill, you think back to any other war, a battle, anything. Is there an objective? Is there a goal? Like, is there an end in mind? Yes, every, every mission. And Jesus gave us this mission and he even clearly defines it. He gave us his word, and then we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, he says, Be ye followers, followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. He's saying, hey, hey, you want to follow Jesus? Hey, just come follow me as I follow him. It's, it's, it's really simple. I, I don't know about you, but I, I don't know if you've ever looked at your life and you went, Man, like, what is my life's mission? Like, what's my life's mission? Like, what, what compels me? Am I even compelled to make disciples? 
There's this guy named uh, John Piper. He wrote this book called Don't Waste Your Life. And and he said this. He says, find your God-centered, Christ-exalting, Bible-saturated passion of your life. You find your way to say it. You live it. And then you die for it. Like, die for it. I mean, ask your, what is your life's passion? Like, what's your mission? What, What matters most to you? What is it? Is it your career, your kids, your family, your spouse? You poor people that think that getting those straight lines in your lawn like Chris Fetters, you want those straight lines in your lawn, that's what that matters to you, most to you? If that is true, now go get some counseling. You need some help if you want those straight lines in your lawn. I hate mowing. I hate it. It's a side note. That's not in my message note. Sorry, but I, I hate mowing. But maybe it's building your platform. Maybe it's looking good on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat. How many of us get into trouble when we forget what the mission is? Like, what's the mission? Or maybe we're even fighting the wrong war. We're fighting for our careers. We're, we're fighting for the, the great salary and the big house and all that stuff. I had, I had a mentor that used to say, the American dream is not the heavenly vision. The American dream, like big house, big car, big salary, big job, big wife. No, not the big wife part. (laughs) Sorry. Don't hold me accountable for that one, please. But but really, the the American dream, all the, the big things, but it's not the heavenly vision. The heavenly vision is that we would make more followers of Jesus, that we would get other people, hey, come follow me as, I, as I'm following Jesus. See, we, we've got these things called the words in red. You know what the words in red? The words of red are, are Jesus' words. They're his words. And do we need anything else? Like, do you really need something else besides Jesus said it so I should do it? You know, I can tell you other things like, you know what, your legacy will be better and greater than ever if you decide to follow Jesus and get other to follow him. You know what? Your impact on people will be greater than ever before if you follow Jesus. If you want to see life transformation, you grab people and you say, follow me as, follow, as, as I follow Jesus. But what else do you need besides Jesus in the words of red saying, go make disciples. Man, you got to get on mission. You got to get on mission. If you are a follower of Jesus, the mission is clear. You gotta get on mission, but if you wanna be on mission, you wanna be successful at this mission to raise warriors requires you to hold fast to Jesus. Like hold fast to him. You, you grab him and you you hold on to him with all your might. You know, uh, uh, Hebrews chapter ten, verse twenty-three, it says, Let us hold fast. Hold fast, it means to nail it down. Like you get that two by four, man, you put 20 nails into it so nobody can pry that thing up. You can't get it to detach from that. You gotta nail it down. So Hebrews chapter 10 verse 23, let us hold fast, let us nail down the profession of our faith or the owner of our faith. Nail down who the owner of you is, which is Jesus, without wavering, without being moved from it, without getting on that slippery slope and like sliding off and getting away from him. 
Man, we got to hold fast. And I wonder if in Hebrews chapter 10, I wonder if the writer just knew human nature so well, so well that he knew that he knew that we would forget, that we would forget that day that God reached down to this crummy earth and said, I love you and I want to know you. We forget that he paid for our sins. We forget that he changed our lives. We forget we're on mission. We forget that we're on mission because we forget the good news of what the King of Kings, like Jesus, has done. Even Psalms, you, you've got David, this hero of the faith. He, he wrote the Psalms. He, he wrote other portions of, of the Bible. And he says, restore unto me the joy of your salvation. If it's got to be restored, usually it has been forgotten. You know, the times we forget are usually the times that we get in trouble. I get in trouble the most when I forget that I'm a follower of Jesus. I, I don't know if you're married. See if you can relate with this point right here. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if you've got, you guys have had this conversation, but you're like, hey, hey, babe. Hey, uh, uh, where do you want to go to dinner tonight? And they're like, I, I don't care. I don't care. How, how, about, how about Red Door? Not there. What, what are you talking about? You just said you didn't care. I, I heard some nervous laughter there. I heard it. For you guys, you're like, oh, we've never had that conversation. But, but what I do is I, I, I like to be right. I know you guys never deal with trying to be right. I, I deal with that sometimes. And I, I start to get entitled. And I think, man, uh, she said she didn't care. She should not care. She's wrong. I'm right. We're going to Red Door. Amen. But, but, but in all seriousness, I know that's sort of a silly example, but, but what about the times we cheat the clock? Like, you know, remember the old school where you actually like had to take a card? Some of you, uh, maybe non-millennials, uh, you, you, there used to be this card and you actually like punched a clock. And sometimes maybe you would just punch it a little later than you were supposed to. Maybe it's when you see that office supplies at work and you go, well, they haven't used it in quite a few months. So, you know, I'm just going to take it home. Or maybe it's the time when you're on the internet and you're looking at something that you just shouldn't be looking at. Those are the times that we forget we're followers. We forget that we're supposed to be holding fast to Him and Him alone. There's, a, there's another reason there's another reason that we're told to hold fast. You hold on to something because somebody's trying to steal something from you. When somebody's trying to steal something from you, you, you look at this. We've got an enemy and he's trying to steal our faith from us. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10. He says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. His might, his power, not yours. Put on the whole armor of God, the whole armor. It's an act of faith. That's what's so great about following Jesus is we can be active in this thing, not passive. We're not passive followers of Jesus. We are active ones. So put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil, against the deceitful plans, the tricks, the craftiness of the devil. We have this enemy, and this enemy wants you to forget you if you're a follower. This enemy wants you to hold on to something besides Jesus, so Jesus fades in the background. He doesn't want you to read the Bible. He doesn't want you to pray. He wants you to forget. He does not want you to have confidence in your faith. He wants you to forget the mission. Not only does he want those things for you, 
But he wants to kill you. And not only that, he wants to steal your faith from you. Not only does he want to kill you and steal from you, he wants to destroy you under uh, any means necessary. He will use shame. He will use guilt. He will use isolation. He will get you alone. He wants your relationship with Christ to be destroyed and your confidence to be no confidence. You know, I, I remember uh, there was this time when I knew I had to hold fast to, G- hold fast to Jesus. I was in a truck with my boss at Sutherland's Lumber Company, and uh, we were driving and making a delivery or something. And we were rarely alone together. Always there were customers or always people around. So we're in this truck, and I knew this time I had to hold fast to Jesus. I knew that I was supposed to share my faith with him. I knew it. He was my boss. I didn't, I didn't know if he was going to fire me. I didn't know if he was going to make fun of me. I had no idea, but I knew I was supposed to share my faith, so I shared it. And it wasn't some mountaintop incredible experience. He didn't, like, you know, stop the car and get, we didn't get down on the sidewalk and, like, pray or anything like that. I wish that would have happened. That would have been cool. He just sort of looked at me and smirked and said, thanks for sharing. And he never wanted to talk to really talk to me again about things of faith. But I knew I had to hold fast onto Jesus during that time. And not my career, not my, my check, my, my paycheck. But I knew I needed to hold on to him. You know, there's this uh, uh, quote in this book called Organic Church. And it says, if you wake up in the morning and you don't run into the enemy head on, then maybe you're going in the wrong direction. See, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12 says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age. We've got opposition against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. So we've got all this opposition. And therefore, verse 13, it says, Because of all this opposition, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. There's an evil day, and having done all to stand, the evil day is coming. And it's that day when you're confronted with temptation. It's that day when you have a choice to sin or, or not to. And if you haven't experienced that evil day, it is coming. And it's coming upon your children and the people that you're helping follow Jesus. It's coming. I, I, I recently had a, an evil day myself. Uh, my wife... Uh, was confronting me. That's always good when they come to you, your spouse comes to you, and they say, hey, I, I want to I talk to you about something, but I'm a little afraid to share it with you. And you go, oh, no. And so I, get, I bear myself, get ready, and then she tells me how uh, my parenting is going. And it, it wasn't going well. I'll just tell you this. My, my oldest daughter, I love her. She's amazing, but I was not parenting her like I had a relationship with her. This guy named Josh McDowell says, rules without relationship result in rebellion. She wasn't rebelling yet, but our relationship wasn't being built upon. There was a lot of rules, and I was nitpicking everything, just everything constantly. Oh, I can't believe you're doing this. Like, come on, clean your room, pick your, pick your shoes. Like, come on, come on, come on, do this. I was not building her up. And so my wife was telling me this, and, and I had this, I knew I was right on the verge. I don't know if you guys ever been on the verge on that evil day. You're standing on this line, and you're going, okay, I can receive this. Or I can say, girl, you are crazy. I don't know what you're talking about. You're nuts. I'm a great father. Or I could say, you know what? 
You're right. You're right. See, my daughter is amazing. She's beautiful. She is talented and smart. She's a little worshiper. She's a little, she's a little warrior, a little disciple. I just wasn't parenting her that way. If you haven't caught it yet, raising warriors, raising disciples, investing in others is a fight. And it requires you to fight. You know, we put armor on because we're in a fight. And the fight is about making more followers of Jesus. It's about people. It's about their eternal souls. There's this discipleship we use, this discipleship verse we use around here, this mentorship, whatever you want to call it, 2 Timothy 2 2. He says, And the things that you've heard from me among many witnesses, commit the, these things to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So Paul is writing, right? So he's generation number one. He's writing to Timothy, generation number two, to faithful men, generation number three, and to others also. But we forget this verse, verse 3. It says, you therefore, because of this discipleship, because you're supposed to be investing in these faithful men and women, you must endure hardship. You've got to endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Listen, soldiers fight. The imagery is war. Making disciples is a fight. And it, it doesn't matter if it's a disciple, a warrior, a follower, whatever. It doesn't matter if it's your kids or a neighbor, a coworker, a friend. It is a fight. It's a fight to take his name into all of the earth. It's a fight to take back ground. It's a fight for the souls of men. It's a fight to see lives transformed. It is a fight so others will know the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And the fight is intentional. We can't just go and, and you know, I'm just accidentally fighting. We gotta go at this thing and we gotta fight it. We gotta fight for it. There's this military academy here in the U.S. called West Point. And they've got this thing, a motto, and it's for the students. They're called cadets, but they call it their cadet maxim. This is what they say. They say, risk more than others think is safe. Man, they stole that straight from Jesus. Risk more than others think is safe. You know what? I want to risk it for people. I want to risk it for them. Care more than others think is wise. I want to care more. And as a follower of Jesus, I want to care more than anybody else in the world. And I want people to look at me and go, that is not practical. You are in not investing in that guy that much. I want people to say that about me because I care so much for them. He says, dream more than others think is practical. Man, God has given us this dream. I would call it a vision. It's a vision to proclaim his name in all of the earth. What a great vision. And he says, ex- they say, accept more than other, I'm sorry, expect more than others think is possible. People make fun of me often uh, lately because uh, even on my email tagline, I say, what about the 3.1 billion people? There's 3.1 billion people on the face of the planet that have yet to hear the gospel, the good news of who Jesus is. And you know what? I want to be. I want to be a part of making a difference in that. I want to be a part of making a difference. Do you believe that God can reach those 3.1 billion people? I believe it. Do you, do you have fear of missing out? You got, you guys, you got FOMO? Man, I got FOMO. I do not want to miss out fear of missing out. I don't want to have that fear of missing out on what God is doing. I want to be a part of what He's doing. 
I don't want to miss out on him making his name known in all of the earth and being part of life transformation. I don't know of anybody that wakes up in the morning, and, and especially followers of Jesus, but anybody that wakes up, or they leave, they get in their car, and they go, you know what, I just want to fail today. I just want to fail. Nobody says that. If you don't hear anything I've said today, hear this. Raising warriors requires you to be a warrior. Let's make it a little bit more real instead of the alliteration that I just threw out there with warriors. To raise a follower of Jesus, you need to be a follower of Jesus. That's why Ephesians chapter 6 verse 16, he says, above all. Above all, taking the shield of faith. Yes, the shield of faith, you have to believe God's promises. You've got to take the shield of faith. But what's your faith in? It should be in Jesus. I'm placing my faith, believing what God's word says is true in Jesus. And faith requires belief. And belief requires you to believe in something. And I want to believe in Jesus. But who are you putting your faith in? Are you putting your faith in yourself? Are you putting your faith in your good works? Man, my, my, my good is going to outweigh my bad, and maybe I'll just make it to heaven through that. Are you placing your faith in Buddha or Muhammad or Confucius or some other person? Are you placing your faith in your parents' faith? You've got to make it personal. None of those things are going to get you to heaven. But there's a name, man. There's a name that's above all names. There's a name above all names, and he took his only begotten son, Romans 5 8. But God, but God has demonstrated his own love towards us. He he has demonstrated his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, while we were yet screw-ups, while we were yet missing the mark, while we were yet breaking the law, he died for us. He died for us. So you could go to heaven, absolutely. But so you could, so you could go to heaven, yes, that's amazing. But you know what? So I could have a relationship with him, and so I could have an impact on eternity because he wants to use me. And if you don't hear anything I, I'm saying, follow Jesus. Give your whole life to him. Give it all to him, because he deserves it. Man, if you want to see people follow Jesus, you got to follow him. So is it is it about war? Is it about putting the armor on? Is it about making, you know, good kids that will contribute to society? No. It's about the gospel. It's about the gospel and, and what Jesus is trying to do. And the goal is getting his name proclaimed in all of the earth. That's why you read Ephesians chapter 6, verse 19. The, re- the, the writer goes on to say, and he says, As for me, and for me, that utterance may be given to me, that I may be able to open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, the mystery of the good news of what Jesus has done, for which I am an ambassador in chains. It has me, it has compelled me, that in it, 
I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. And that is not just for him. That is for us. We should boldly share this truth. We should boldly go out into our, our workplaces, in our neighborhoods, and among our friends. And we should boldly share that Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And that he deserves it all. We've got a mission. Man, we've got a mission, and it's not about having a great marriage, although that's good. It's not about having well-adjusted kids that contribute to society, although good. It's not even to live a comfortable life, although that's nice. It's about the mission. And the mission is to take his name into all of the earth. And we war to take back ground. We war to see people's lives transformed. We war because people need to know Him. So the question is, do you know Him? Do you know Him? If you know Him, what are you doing about it? What are you going to do with His name And having him as your own. What are you going to do? Let's pray. Father, we need you. Thanks for giving us an exciting mission and adventure to run out and fight for and cling on to you for and to be on mission for. And God, I just pray that we would follow you as a church. I know we do. God, I know there's people here right now that are following you that are running towards you, that are taking your name and your story to their workplaces and their neighborhoods and their schools. God, I pray that you would add to them. God, I pray that we would be a church that says, you know what, I'm going to dream and I'm going to do something out of this world that everybody thinks I'm crazy to do. I pray that we would risk it. That we would risk it for people. God, move among us. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you have questions or would like to contact us for prayer, please email us at info at visitgracechurch.com. For more information about our ministries, location, and service times, go to visitgracechurch.com.